what's up allegros and what's up extra small ninja how y'all doing <laughs> thanks for joining um yeah but if uh anybody you guys listening if you all are going to pax east or west we're probably going to be there actually all the paxes and gdc yeah. Yeah, we're, we're going to be there sure. we'll be at pax west i will not be at pax east i will be uh doing anything else yeah, <laughs> I, I don't want to travel yeah, dude, again. So soon. Dude, traveling traveling across the country is the worst thing yeah. in the world. It's awful. Um, how was traveling to Austin for you? That's not bad, right? I didn't go to Austin, but I mean, uh, you know, uh, Texas San Antonio. for it, San Antonio. Yeah, that was one of my more awful trips. Okay, not as bad as Colorado because I didn't miss any flights. But like, I forgot my switch, and some other stuff happened, and all the planes were full, and I had to sit in dumb spots and. Just a, just a lot of little things, nothing specific. Yeah, that's my bad. But, but Southwest no, and all. No, well, it's not your fault. I, that's just how it is, man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess I guess that's a good point. Southwest is almost always full, as far as I've yeah. flown. But if you get in, I feel like there's like a meta game to how you get seated with Southwest because it's usually called in steps. Um, yeah, they do the groupings, and, and then they don't have assigned seats, and so you go, and then it's like, well, just uh, pick a spot. There's a yeah, so pretty much the chair left on the wing for those of you who paid as little as possible <laughs> it, it, yeah i mean what what i usually like if i see a spot between two people that aren't overweight and i'm forced to and i have a feeling i'm gonna have to sit in a middle seat i'm gonna take that spot yeah i'm okay with middle seats i just can't be pressed between two people i was definitely on my way back here i think i was pressed pretty i was i was gonna be and we did a little bit of shuffling and they had to sort of deal with their own friction while i was up against the window but uh, it worked out. It worked out okay. That's good. That's good. I what I <laughs> no, I'm not going to share this. Actually, no, I have to share it now. The, I, I I do this thing at, when I'm traveling southwest, or they do any like group call thing. They usually call it by like A one through thirty, A thirty one through sixty, yeah, mm-hmm. and then they go to B, and then they go to C. So whatever one I'm in, like in those groups. I'll usually just go to the front of the line, no matter what number I have. Even if I have C sixty, I'll go to C one, and I'll just be like, "Here's my thing," because the the people checking the tickets don't really care what That's you are. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah, yeah. You anarchist, you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's really not a good thing to do. I will say, I, just... I will say, uh, a, a top tip, a flying top tip I got from a sales guy once. Uh, take a just like a bag of like mini Snickers onto a plane and then give it to the <laughs> flight attendant right at the beginning of the flight and say, hey, I got you these. These are for you guys to share. And they'll and after that, they'll be so thrilled, they'll do whatever you want. They'll bring you drinks. It doesn't matter. You get priority at that point. And he said it works almost every time, and it's really great. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually kind of had that happen once, except I helped uh, the flight attendant uh, put something up, in, like a, a suitcase up or something like that. And then, like, just just a little bit of help, and she was just like, "Hey, uh, <laughs> there's a seat with a lot of legroom up here." Nice. Um, because I'm a tall boy, and I was like, "Oh, there's there room for my friend here?" And she's like, "Yes, of course." Of course. <laughs> and we both went up there. There's a great Brian Regan <laughs> joke about people who like are trying to put stuff in the overhead bins that are way too big. Like, you've got a <laughs> you've got a space this big, and you brought a dead yak, and you're trying to shove it up there. <laughs> dead yak. <laughs> And I never really experienced that until this most recent trip to San Antonio for Pack South. Somebody who had they had like a set of they had a pair of steel-toed boots tied to the bat tied to the outside of their bag, and they were trying to shove it up there. And they obviously, since they got a steel toe, that part of the shoe was just not going anywhere in terms of folding up into a, a crumpled ball to get into this bin. And he was giving it everything he had, and it just wasn't it wasn't happening. And eventually found the angle to make it fit, but I was like, "This is the dead yak that Ryan, Brian Regan was talking about." 
You know what I never understood, hmm. and I think I I'm probably gonna understand it at some point. I just I just can't see myself ever doing it. Is bringing instruments on an airplane, like music instruments, instead of guitar. checking it at the very least. Sure, like I I just it just doesn't make sense. I feel like that'd be such a nuisance to have. I wonder sometimes. I think I don't know. I feel like people are a little worried about stuff in their expensive things under a plane, but at the same time, it's like don't do this. Don't take up an entire overhead bin with your guitar, sir. Yes, that is that I'm, sounds I awful. And sometimes they'll just like hold it in front of them, and I'm just like, don't, don't. Yeah, we stop. all get it. You're very impressive. Please be a little bit more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your tattoos and your uh, dreadlocks are very nice. No I'm kidding. <laughs> so I will I say like the one of the like... worst, one of the worst experiences I had flying one time. I was I asked the flight attendant. She was like, "Is there anything you'd like to drink?" And I was like, "Uh, what do you have?" You know, because I didn't know. She went and she left me on that question and went to the back of the plane. <laughs> Wait, did she answer me first? I think she answered me first. It's been a long time since this happened. And then she went to the back of the plane and got on the intercom and said, If anybody wants to know what our drink selection is, it is on this thing in the back of the seat in front of you. And I was like, The audacity of this woman. <laughs> I was in high school too, so she I'm sure Dude. she hated me immediately. But it was impressive she, that she did that. It was a, quite the move. Dude, that's like, wow. She re- she probably gets asked that way too right. much. Right, and it, but it's like, you know what you wanted? If you don't want people to ask you the same thing over and over again, do something different. <laughs> you, no, you know what it was? You were probably the like the fifth person to ask yeah. for that on the plane. Like, it wasn't just you. Yeah, sorry, lady. <laughs> no, I know. Yeah, I, don't, I would like to think that it wasn't me specifically, but... <laughs> You're right. No, that's so good though. It's just like, just like <laughs> you're the only person that asked it. And she's just like, "Are yeah. you kidding me?" It's like I, I've had it up to here. <laughs> this flight has been going for four minutes, and I'm done with this. This once, <laughs> this sixteen-year-old, I can't stand it. <laughs> that's right. These rotten kids. Oh man. Oh, that's so good. It only happened once. Dude, I'm I'm sick of flying though. I flew so m- I flew every month last year. Ugh. Oh, up until Ugh. up Ev- until August. Wait a minute. So Up every until, month from January to August, you flew once a month? Except sometimes twice. That's yes. hellish. Sometimes twice. So February, I skipped. So it was, uh, yeah, January was PAX South. March was GDC. April was uh, PAX East. Mm-hmm. May was my was to visit Mac and my friend Maxie in uh, DC. Um, June was, I feel like I maybe didn't do anything in June, but then it was... Um, Pakistan and Japan, and then it was Seattle. Yeah, and that's a that's a lot of places. The hell with that, man. Months of the year. Yeah, because yeah, I wasn't did. Fun, man. No, that sounds awful. Because I did the uh, I did Thanksgiving. To, I went to Omaha for Thanksgiving, and then I went to Colorado. Then kind of like two weeks after that, in December, and then we did Pack South, which was what January. Yeah, and that's why. That's why I didn't want to do PAX East because I'm. I was like, I can't do this again because I. And then the next month we got to go to GDC in San Francisco, so that'll be more. It's like I, I'm not going to fly once a month for six months. I just won't do it. Yeah, I feel you. And and I, and also that didn't include all the times I drove home to my parents' place. Yeah, which is three hours away driving, yeah. and that's basically a flight. I would say. Yeah, most of my flights I would say on average are three hours, for all the places I go. There's also like a whole headache though of like responsibility and like keeping track of shit and like you're in more control i guess which is nice when you're driving uh-huh. but you know ultimately you're still traveling you're still cramped. i've got so much more patience for driving though i'll happily drive eight hours like if i had to do the exact same thing once a month 
I would rather drive eight hours than fly three. Really? If driving was like if time was not a, an issue, or it's like okay, it's like well you know I can I think it's part of Midwestern conditioning too, where it's like well if I want to go anywhere interesting I'm gonna drive at least eight hours. Minneapolis, Denver, anything in Texas, Chicago's ten hours away. Like there's a whole circle of nothing from between Omaha and the next most interesting place, and so we just got really used to it. Drive because I went to Denver all the time. There were plenty of times where I would like go to the, go to Denver for a concert on like Saturday and then drive back Sunday. And it's like in eight hours, you said. Yeah, that's amazing. I I I've only driven nine hours or or more uh, twice, uh, other than like road trips with my family, which yeah. was when I was way younger. I don't count those. No, I, those I don't different. remember them. My biggest one was when I moved out here, but well. I mean that's true because I've driven out. I've driven here from Omaha three times, and I've never driven back. But there was one time, the, before I moved out here, I drove a moving truck full of my friend's stuff because she moved out here, and she was like, "I'll pay for everything if you get a moving truck and fill it with the stuff from my storage unit and drive it out to me." And I was like, "Yeah, I'm up for the adventure. That sounds great." And that, by the way, sir, is a 26-hour drive. And that's crazy. I did it, you know, in like three days or something. And it was a torturous hellscape that I will never recommend to anyone, ever. There, there were three components, major components. Moving truck, alone. Oh, damn it, I don't remember what the third one was. But it was like, if there's any, if I removed any one of these components, like if I added a person or if it wasn't as long of a drive or if it was a different vehicle, like any one of those three things, it would have probably been okay. One of the one of the days, I think I did 16 hours straight before I stopped. Oh, Jesus did somebody just leave or did they show up? Oh, Doku's here. I was wondering if he was still alive. I was going to say, I did buy, I bought a, a PlayStation, a PS1 Classic yesterday. Oh, really? Off off where? Amazon. Oh, cool. Oh, you can just buy that on it. Yeah, the new little ones. The, the Classic, like the new one with the HDMI oh, and the built-in games. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. the little guy. Okay, cool. And so that'll be here today. So that's really neat. That's exciting. I don't really have a good reason for having bought that. I just was thinking about what? it. What? I'm looking it up now, and I'm seeing what games it has. That's good. It's got. I know it's got a, some classics. Well, because so here's there's a video that popped up on my YouTube that was like, I don't know the the best JRPGs, PS1 era RPGs that you could have ever played. And I was like, oh, I've either heard of or played all of these. Look at me, I win. And then I was watching, and I was like, man, these would be all great to have again. And it's only like right. forty bucks, so I was like, "Yeah, that's fine." But I would love to get the whole the whole pile, like the NES Classic, the SNES, whatever else is happening at this point. Yeah. Well, you also were talking about your like in the last episode or two episodes ago, the um, the like Raspberry Pi situation or the emulators or whatever. Yeah. Do, and that. Do you think that which do you think is the better alternative? Alternate. What do you mean? Uh, but if you were to get like a PlayStation uh, emulator oh, or boy. the PlayStation Classic. Which do you prefer? I don't think there. I don't think it's too much different because you can get controllers for the club for an emulated system, and you could run like you could run the Raspberry Pi off of like RetroPie, and then get yeah. a Bluetooth controller for it, and effectively do exactly the same thing. I think Raspberry Pi is only like forty dollars. Yeah, it? I've got a Raspberry Pi uh, Series Three, I think that was do like wanna, that I got for thirty-five bucks. Do you want to tell people what Raspberry Pi is for those that don't know? Oh, sure. I feel like that's not many. I, I never hear people talk about it. Okay. Yeah, Raspberry Pi is basically just a little tiny computer uh, that fits in the palm of your hand. And it's got this particular instance. This one's got HDMI and uh, four USB ports and an Ethernet port. And you can run it 
off of an operating system that you save onto a micro U uh, a micro SD card and you stick it in. And a lot of them run off of Linux. I bought mine initially to run a DNS level ad block system so that it basically would catch any ad stuff at the DNS level when it hit my router and then it would block it there. So I didn't need any in-browser blocking and it took care of all that stuff before it even entered my internal like house network. But now my friend set one up that's public facing that I just used instead of mine. So I've got a, a Raspberry Pi that does not currently do anything, but you can use it for all kinds of stuff. I was thinking about, I was listening to one of our episodes again as I go through and I put them on the public feed and stuff. And sometimes it's like, well, I don't remember what this was about. So I'll go back and listen to it. And that'll be so how, you know, description and title and all that stuff. And we were talking about using stepper motors for transformer sounds. Oh, and I thought, yes, a lot of that stuff's controlled with an Arduino system, which usually runs off of Raspberry Pi. And so I think it would be interesting to look into that too. Just get like five or six floppy drives and hook them up in series to a Raspberry Pi and then use that to control the directions and the speeds of all the motors and make all kinds of crazy sounds. Sure. I'd be super down to do that if I had time. Yeah. That that sounds really cool. Okay, so you, you get the Raspberry Pi and then you plug in I'm guessing you plug in a monitor to it? Yeah, it's got an HDMI port for monitor and So how does the installation through an S D card work exactly? Do you have to open up the S D card through it while Raspberry Pi is open? Because the operating system wouldn't have been installed by then. Right. Well I mean it, it basically would operate the same way any computer would. They any operating system installation program is going to have an auto boot where it just reads the thing that it boots off of and then automatically boots into the installer. Oh, okay. So it's just the micro SD with the operating system on it. Yeah. Or you can just takes. go even more traditional and leave the micro SD in blank and then plug in a USB stick with the operating system installer on it and then run it the way you would on anything else. Interesting. Okay. That sounds really cool, actually. I think I'd... It's, yeah, it's really not bad. It's really easy to do. It has like... I guess different Raspberry Pis also have different uh, ports and all that that you can. Yeah, um, the Gen ones. Some, I mean, some of them are pretty limited in terms of their processing and things that they can do. But this one's got like a gig of memory, and my micro SD card is 128 gigs, and it's got a quad core processor. Like, welcome to 2020. But then that's not even the, cool. that's not even the flagship system either. The really nice ones can do quite a bit of work. I think you could probably run like a media server off of one of them if you needed to. Wow. Okay. I'd, I'll have to look into that because that's that's pretty rad, actually. Yeah, it's really sweet. Um, there was actually a PAX panel that I went to at West last year that was it was like a step-by-step -step guide to use to making an emulation system out of a Raspberry Pi, which was really great. I think that was actually one of Patrick's panels, I believe he was on that one. That's right. I heard about that. Mm -hmm. Cool. Interesting. I'll have to... Patrick's really good with that stuff. He um he was playing on stream, uh, linked to the past randomizer. Oh, have we talked about randomizers and how much I love randomizers? No, maybe I love randomizers. Anyways, next topic. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I <laughs> randomizers are, are random random element games that are done well is one of my favorites. Like uh, Binding of Isaac. Uh, even just like taking a game like Pokemon and like randomizing the Pokemon and stuff. Oh shit! I think you did tell me something about that, especially with Pokemon, and you had sort of yes, made your yes, own we custom did talk game about this. for Pokemon game. Yeah, we do. Um, we played um, Nuzlocke, uh, where you have like it's basically like a uh, an app that you can get and you put a ROM inside of the application and you load it up and then you set your settings to randomize the game in whatever way you want. So like. Uh, I could put Pokemon Red in there, mm -hmm. 
and uh, or ROM, the Pokemon Red ROM in there. Red ROM. And then Red ROM. Red ROM. And then <laughs> and then uh, I can I can set it to either randomize all Pokemon, uh, randomize all items, randomize, and I can do all these things in whatever however I want. Uh, randomize all items, randomize all TMs and HMs. Uh, randomize the types of the Pokemon. Randomize the evolutions of the Pokemon. So, like a Pikachu becomes like a Clotobulpass or whatever. Sure. Yeah, that's that that that's what it turns into usually, Chris, you <laughs> idiot. But <laughs> I think what I said was a Don't real you know thing. Pokemon. <laughs> no, it's, it's not. That, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 I can't remember what I'm thinking of. <laughs> Kabutops. Let's go with that. Oh, is that what you said? I, it's okay. not what I said. It's what I was thinking of when I said some it, nonsense it sounds like garbage. It. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're like Kabutops. Yeah, or, uh, I even... yeah, I think that. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite Himalayan uh, mountain passage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you exactly. drive over Klotobel Pass, I, um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, sure, sure. Um, yeah, I, uh, I that, that's just like a thing that you can do, and but there, there's also um, I don't know, just just randomized games in general, like. I, I don't know why I like them so much, but I've been really wanting to play like a Zelda Legend of Zelda randomizer because they randomize all of the items, and I think it just uh, creates like a it takes a game that has static locations and static items and wherever they would be like uh, in Zelda, for example, the Master Sword could be a slingshot, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, and it's just like oh, then where's the Master Sword? And then you get oh, thank you, Chris, for showing the. See, the thing about Catobal Pass is that, first of all, it's real. <laughs> sort of. Secondly, I swear, it's I'm pretty sure it's a summon in some of the older Final Fantasy games, like with Shoat and all those other things that never show up anymore. So I don't want to hear nothing Chris. about all this shit I made up. <laughs> Chris, I just gotta say, you, you didn't make it up. It's from Pokemon. <laughs> Whatever you said here is fake. Yes, it doesn't this, exist. This is what you get out of Pikachu. Yeah, yeah. The Pikachu evolves into... The total pass. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> uh, and for those that are just listening, Katobal Pass is spelled C A T O B L E P A S. Yes. And it, it says the Katobal Pass is a legendary creature from Ethiopia, first described by Pliny or Pliny the Elder, and later by Claudius Alanius. Yes. is a legendary creature from the Johto district, Johto region. And, and it was introduced after Gen One as a as a pre evolution for Pikachu. <laughs> yes, you find it under a truck if you uh, put the game in back. <laughs> I was I was gonna say to finish the randomizer talk. Yeah, finish. Yeah, that thing that yeah. thing you were talking about that I ruined. I, I just I just want to play. I just really want to try playing some Zelda stuff, basically. Yeah, like some Zelda randomizers because it takes a static game and it has has static objects like slingshot master sword whatever and it puts them in random locations so you can go wherever you want to start the game and it changes the entire experience of the game so they have a metroid one too a metroid randomizer and all these games where you just like collect items and then just go wherever you need to go it just kind of creates a new it just creates a new path for mm-hmm. the game i guess every single time and i just i just love that that's idea pretty sweet like, i know vine sauce uh no Yes. Not. No. What? What's the. Oh, that's Vsauce. God, I mix those up a lot. It's not the Vsauce Dude, guy. I do too. Vinny Vine Sauce does uh, randomizer playthroughs all the time. Or at least he used yeah. to. And I've never watched any because I've never. Because I've always been like, randomizer? What the fuck? I'm just going to watch Chrono Cross. <laughs> I'm going to watch him play yeah. Chrono Cross again. But yeah, that sounds actually really cool. I would like to explore that a bit. Yeah, for sure. 
Um, or you're about to say something, I think. About you're gonna. Um, I don't know what it was. I have no okay, idea. Help me. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> uh, we were we were talking about Catopal uh, Pass and um, his significance in the Pokemon world. Oh right. And how he really inspired the future of uh, the Pokemon games, like the Hoenn region. <clears throat> I really think that it wouldn't have been as good of a game as it would have been without hearing the cries <laughs> of the Catopal Pass. <laughs> I, I just, I just. The sound design understand. on the Catobal Pass in Gen Two was really a thing of beauty, considering the hardware limitations. <laughs> right, considering the hardware limitations, and also the fact that they were able to go so well from Game Boy Color to Game Boy Advance. I mean, yeah, they had better limitations, but like, how do you turn something that sounds so pixelated and eight-bit <laughs> into something that with with so much depth of character? The, I, I just really think the Catobal Pass was one of the most innovative <laughs> additions to the sound design arsenal for creatures. In gaming history. It's interesting how relevant this is to what I'm about to say. <laughs> but because it reminds me of the thing I brought up about like when the Final Fantasy VII remake finally comes out and going kind of going through it sort of step by step and finding different like some of the more classic sounds from the game and seeing how they adapted them to this brand new remake of a game because this is a, a thing that no one's ever really done before in terms of a complete reimagining of something that's that much older. And if Catobal Pass was in the game, uh, <laughs> <laughs> then it would be the most relevant piece of ridiculousness that's ever been uttered of, of all time. Like, <laughs> That's awesome. But he's, I, not, I like he's not in that, but... Uh, yeah, I think that that is an on its own within within the confines of its own logic. That is a great topic of conversation. <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, really, like we we talked about in like two episodes ago or three episodes ago about how uh, music and sound tonation, how you can uh, declare that in a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, think, I, I would say that the Contable Pass was definitely the uh, the martyr for. Uh, Johto region. Set the tone uh, for the whole second gen. Yeah, yeah, just totally set the tone. Yeah. <laughs> the mileage we have gotten out of my inability to speak has really been impressive today. <laughs> it really has been. <laughs> I, I, I just, I just, okay, for those of you listening that aren't in the Discord server, uh, join the Discord server because you can join our conversation and you can read the old Blipstream chat and you can see the chaos that ensued in an episode <laughs> if you missed it. Like, <laughs> Like in this episode alone, we have "Hello, Brain Seal." I'm alive. I will do it. Oh, it won't be great. Maybe I will make it great. And then Chris posting an image of the Wikipedia page off of Google from the Catobal Pass. Correct. <laughs> well, it's like I'm not going to sit here and have everybody think I don't know what I'm talking about. So let right. me just pull this out. Uh, uh, good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Um, so for those of you that want to get the PlayStation <laughs> Classic... Yeah, so in short, the PlayStation Classic is a great way to make emulation easier than it would otherwise be. Yeah, and <laughs> well, these are the games that it has. It has Battle Arena Toshinden. Great. Uh, cool Borders 2. Destruction Derby, which sounds kind of cool. My uncle loved that game. Really? Yeah. Played that cool. a lot in his house. Final Fantasy VII. Haven't heard of that. Junk. Uh, Grand, Theft, Grand Theft Auto. Uh, Intelligent Cube. <gasps> Ooh. Jumping Flash. <gasps> Jumping Flash is an interesting piece of history. <laughs> <laughs> Much like the Katobal Pass. <laughs> yes. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. I don't Classic. know what that is. Uh, M- Mr. Driller. Don't know that a- one. Oddworld Abe's Odyssey. Only ever heard of it. Rayman. Rayman. Uh, Resident Evil Director's Cut. 
Okay. Uh, Revelations Persona. How many are there? Uh, are you gonna? Is that this is the next twenty minutes? Is you listening these games? No, no. There, there's only eight left. Oh, okay. Revelations Persona. I'm just, I'm just. <laughs> we're at the last like three minutes. Yeah, so just you're just like, I'm just no, patting no, this shit no, out of this. <laughs> yeah, just like uh, Ridge <laughs> Racer Type <laughs> Four. <laughs> Super wow. Puzzle Fighter 2 Turbo. Oh, that game filter. is so good, dude. Dude, have you played Tetris Attack? Oh, yeah. Plenty. Oh, dude. T- I love Tetris Fantastic Attack. Fantastic That's- game. Yes, the competitive Tetris sounds like a horrible idea on paper, but once you play Tetris Attack, mm, can't dude, beat it. You know what else sounds truly. like a ridiculous idea that doesn't seem like it would be any fun at all? Pac-Man Championship Edition or whatever. Pac-Man DX. Is that like a competitive Tetris or Pac-Man? Or? It's I don't think it's competitive, but it's basically Pac-Man, but they add so many crazy, like, dubstepy flourishes to the gameplay <laughs> and the music that it just turns into rainbow chaos immediately. And cool. it's I'm great. Into it. It's fun. Yeah, Championship Edition DX or something like that. I don't know why games don't utilize just art and sound to enhance the experience because a game like Pac-Man or Tetris can become just such an experience mm-hmm. just without, like, changing the core of what the game is. Um, uh, which would be like an otherwise maybe dry game, arguably. Yeah, oh yeah. Tetris, one of the most, one of the best video game experiences I ever had was I was at this I was at this arcade bar called Beercade, and I was with a friend of mine, and they had a two-player Tetris machine where it was competitive Tetris, and that was it, and it was just that. But we were just we were just drunk enough, and oh, remembering it feels like how it would be portrayed in a in a movie as like an out of body experience of excellence it was so much fun <laughs> and we've never been able to recapture how good it was but it was like tetris still has a lot of strength in it depending on what they do with yeah, it yeah I, I do think about a lot like i don't know you see this effect with like more than just games but there's usually there's always like one core element of like a game or a movie that affects or or music even that affects the entire future of what how people approach that medium Mm -hmm. and that's just necessary in general like for one person to be a pioneer and then like people branch off of that idea yeah but but something like something like pac-man for example you can take basic concepts from and build on that for other games same thing with like i mean mario same thing uh led zeppelin huge contributor like you, you there's so many bands that you just hear led zeppelin in um it just you you just drop that in line with a bunch of other games You're like oh, tetris pac-man led zeppelin they did so much for gaming and i was like is he, tra- is he trying to catch me out not listening to what he's saying right <laughs> <now>? <laughs> no, no it was i don't know i just like started listening to bands recently and i was like this sounds a lot like led zeppelin but it wasn't I've had, you know, what's interesting is I have a very, very limited exposure to the Beatles, and uh-huh. over the years, as I've gotten a little bit more, it's like, holy shit, this is just that other song that I know that was thirty years, fifty years later. Yep. Like there's a there's a Blue October song that starts with something that is exactly the same. God damn. <laughs> Doku's drawing of Brian is amazing. That's so good. <laughs> um. And it's like, though, the beginning of this song is just the beginning of a Beatles song that I've never heard. And it was just, just little things like that. The influence keeps coming up over and over and over. And it's like, I don't really like the Beatles that much, just musically. But their influence in production especially is like, ah, I can't deny what they've done here. 
Yeah, no, for sure. <laughs> it even happens with like film and sound design, like what Ben Burt did for sound design. Yeah, what true. Jurassic Park did for like Matt monster sounds, and what uh, uh, Steven Spielberg did for film. And I, I mean, there's just mm-hmm. so many just small things that were created over time. You know, you have to go into photo whatever you do with your computer machine there and make that Brian Seal look the way it's supposed to. Like that's your me? task. Oh yeah. Or, or do, me? Why? I don't know. He said he doesn't want to do it. <laughs> so now you get to. <laughs> As per my not... instruction. Well, I would say that I would say that you should do it. I can't do that be... shit. Because I'm going to make it look too good. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you've got that, you know, the digital pen and all that stuff that you use. Should and... this really look good, though? Let's yes. ask ourselves that. It I, should I at least think... look cleaner. Okay. <laughs> so that we can, um, so that he can make it a profile picture. He's got to use I, it. I can make that. Because that's that, amazing. Those are, some, those are some good shapes there, mm-hmm. Dooku. You have you've good, like, your sketch is very well done, I would say. And this, like, just that just that piece of it, like, those are good shapes. Like, what the hell do I know about art? I've never, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I just have, I, well, I am so, I know so little about art and illustration and stuff. Yeah, it's just really interesting because you can just tell what every, every yeah. small thing is just through the lines alone. Even though it's like really rough, like you can tell like the weight of the the uh, pencil that he has there just does. Uh, <laughs> thanks, man. Uh, dude, Girls love it says, when you tell thanks. them that. You have nice shapes too. Yeah, I know. You have nice fine. shapes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like your shapes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stop it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and to sum up this episode, um, uh, all hail Katobal Pass. <laughs> Great. What a wonderful waste of time. I love it. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> I gotta call my mother. She's losing her mind. By which I mean she has called me once and is patiently waiting for me to call back. But...